after affirming that, yes, they've had an abortion, they may suddenly respond. And I might add, they respond unprompted. I'm not digging for this kind of response, but they just say, yes, I've had an abortion. And then they'll suddenly say something that shows a lot of regret. is Caring for Both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where medical professionals answer your questions about what it means to provide evidence-based, life-affirming health care to both pregnant women and their preborn children. We know that every day in your practice and on your rotations, you face clinical situations that are challenging. We've all called a curbside consult when we need a quick second opinion on the best course of action for our patient. This podcast series is meant to serve as a curbside consult for you as you face ethically challenging patient care scenarios. Hear from experts on how they approach these situations and tips for how to think through them. Because we know that your lives are busy, we keep each episode short enough for you to listen to on your work commute so you have the support and information you need when you need it. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. A couple of episodes ago, for our 8th and ninth episodes, we heard from Robin Atkins, a licensed mental health counselor who offered her thoughts on the impact of abortion on women's mental health. This included several considerations for medical professionals who may work with patients impacted by abortion. Feel free to check out those episodes if you'd like. With today's guest, we may explore how some of those insights may apply to medical professionals in non-mental health specialties. Based on his experience as an OBGYN, our guest will offer thoughts on serving patients with a past history of abortion. Stephen Bratz, MD, is APLOG's Chair of the Board of Directors. Dr. Bratz is a board-certified OBGYN on staff at Northeastern Health Center in Susanville, California. He is also an Associate Scholar with the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Dr. Bratz has 39 years of clinical experience and has served as chairman of the OBGYN department at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego, California, and served with the Marine Corps 1st Medical Battalion during the war in Iraq. He has published op-ed and journal articles on moral problems with abortion, and in 2008, he was awarded the Humanitarian Service Award by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists for medical missions work in West Africa. Dr. Bratz, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me on the program, Miriam. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your current practice and maybe even your past experience with OBGYN. Uh, what kinds of communities have you served and, and what has that looked like? Sure. I, um, I, t- I trained at the University of Oklahoma in Tulsa, Oklahoma, did my residency there in community hospitals. And then I, I worked for the U.S. Uh, Public Health Service in an Indian hospital in the Cherokee Nation of, of Oklahoma. Then I transferred my commission to the United States Navy, and I worked in naval hospitals for for many years. Uh, served as the chairman of the OBDB department at the Big Naval Medical Center in, down in San Diego. I was stationed in Italy for a while, and then of course there was the wartime job that you mentioned. Um, <clears throat> I retired from the Navy in 2008. My wife and I wanted to live in an area where we felt like we were needed, and and we like riding horses, so we wanted to um, find a, a place where we could live in the country and have animals and. Uh, I had served during the Iraq War with uh, an anesthetist. We became good friends, and he had told me about Susanville, um, a practice opportunity for an OBGYN. And so in 2008, we moved up here, um, joined my my friend, and uh, been working here in Susanville, California for 15 years, 
now. Uh, been some of the best years of my career. It's a very rural area. I work in a small hospital and um, an FQHC uh, clinic. It's uh, It's been very nice, very rewarding, just um, working hard to meet the needs of an underserved area. That's all really good to know. Thank you so much, doctor. Uh, in your current practice in, in Susanville, what percentage of your patients would you say you see who have had abortions in the past? Yeah, you know, I think um, if I think about the patients who come to see me for obstetrical care, patients who show up for their first prenatal visit, and then I think of all of the gynecologic patients I've seen, patients with bleeding or pain problems who come to me perhaps a little later in the life, maybe even after um, their childbearing years. I would estimate, thinking about it, maybe 5%, maybe a little bit more, have a history of having had an, an abortion, which is quite a bit less, I think. As I as I read and research about it, it's hard to know the exact statistic of what percentage of all women in the United States have an abortion. I know the Guttemacher Institute says women between the ages of 14 and 44, about one in four will have had an, an abortion. I think it's less here where I work uh, because I live in one of the more conservative counties in California, Lassen County. In fact, um, our county was one of only a few, I think there were only three who voted last year against Proposition 1. Proposition 1 made abortion a constitutional um, right in the state of California. And this was one of the conservative counties who voted against that. So yeah, maybe 5% or a little bit more of my patients had an abortion. Okay, okay. So there might be some cultural factors uh, going into that number. Uh, so how often would you say you see patients who have had more than one abortion? Pretty rarely. I, I think only a couple times a year, maybe, while I see a patient has had more than one, which is pretty fortunate because especially, you know, amongst the pregnant patients, uh, history of a more than one abortion um, definitely increases risk during the pregnancy. So it's fortunate that we don't have that many. Under what circumstances in the clinical setting would you say does the subject of a prior abortion usually come up? Well, in the clinical setting, it usually comes up um, as part of the obstetric history. Now, when a patient um, joins our clinic for prenatal care, um, she will sit down with one of our nurses who will take down her medical history and enter that, enter that into our electronic health record. And then I'll look over the electronic health record when I see the patient um, uh, at a later appointment. I'll look over the history and uh, and I will need to, at that point, clarify details in the patient's history. And when I notice that there was a prior pregnancy that ended without the birth of a live baby, um, it, it you know, that, it, that history may be incomplete. So I'll ask what happened. You know, if, if she had a, a previous pre-viable birth, a, a very early birth of a child that was too premature to survive, or if she had a stillbirth, that's really important for me to know in managing the current pregnancy in order to take good care of her. Those pregnancies need to be monitored much more closely. If she had a surgical abortion, especially a second trimester surgical abortion, that's also important to know because it means that there's going to be some incre increased risk for uh, premature preterm birth during this current pregnancy that we'll need to watch out for. How often do you ask about a history of a prior abortion? I just ask I just ask about it when I need a complete reproductive history. And many times it, it's a question I'm just obtaining the history. I don't know that she's had a prior abortion, so I'm not necessarily asking for details, but um, it can be helpful just to get a complete reproductive history of course, for pregnant patients, but also it can be helpful for planning surgeries for patients with gynecologic problems, uh, um, just to, to know 
you know, everything that they've been through in the past, what procedures they've had performed. How do patients usually respond to those uh, questions about abortion? Do they ever express distress or any heightened emotion? Yeah, this is a very interesting question. Women respond in different ways when that, that subject or that question of a prior abortion uh, arises. I, I sense some women are a little hesitant to answer. Um, but as the woman responds to that question, I'm asking, you know, what happened with that prior pregnancy? As she's answering, as she's responding, I'm trying to discern whether this is something she needs or wants to talk about. Um, I'm trying to figure out if she's carrying an emotional burden that she'd like to talk talk about. Because some women, they'll just state as a matter of fact uh, that they had an ab- abortion in the first trimester and, and we move on. And I don't, I don't try to dwell on it. I, I'm not necessarily trying to uh, dig up a bunch of emotions that she wasn't prepared for because, you know, we're just attending the history so we can take good care of her in the pre- present circumstances, pregnancy or planning for, for, for surgery. So a lot of women just stated as a matter of fact, and, and we don't um, dwell on it. But some women, some women respond very differently um, after affirming that, yes, they've had an abortion, they they may suddenly respond, and I, and I might add they 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 respond unprompted. I'm not digging for an, for this kind of response, but they just say yes, I've had an abortion, and then they'll suddenly say something that shows a lot of regret. I've I've heard statements like this. She'll just suddenly say, "Well, it wasn't what I wanted. Uh, yes, I had an abortion. It wasn't what I wanted." Another woman another woman looked at me for paused for a moment and said, "I felt like my soul was being ripped out of me." And one woman started to cry and tearfully admitted, you know, I really wanted to keep that baby. Um, so when I when I hear answers like this, I I really do uh, sense that you know some women are carrying an emotional burden, are having a sense of deep regret. And I want I'd like to tell you about one patient who I had taken care of her after she'd already had some pregnancies and had some uh, health problems and needed a surgery, and I I performed her surgery. And then and this was in 2015. Um, suddenly, in our local newspaper, um, an article appeared from a physician who doesn't even live in our town, from Physicians for Reproductive Health, and it was a very pro-abortion article. And um, I responded with a letter uh, to the editor rebutting the, the points in this article. Uh, I just wrote a pro-life editorial piece, and uh, after I wrote that, I found this letter from my patient. This letter from. Uh, from her on my desk one day, and I'll, I'll read you the letter. It's, it's not long. <clears throat> she says, Dear Dr. Bratz, I've been a patient of yours for endometriosis and a full hysterectomy. Thank you for always praying with me before surgery. I want to thank you so much for your article in the paper. I felt as if you were talking to me. I had my first daughter when I was 16. Her father was a drug addict and alcoholic. I had no support. My mother never wanted me, and my dad and I are close but now, but not at the time. I got pregnant again by another guy when my daughter was four months old. I didn't and don't believe in abortion. I was uneducated and didn't have a job, and my father's uh, family pretty much told me that if I didn't get rid of the baby, they would take my daughter. I remember the day so well after 28 years. They told me, put your gown on and we will be with you. I was crying, and they asked why. I said, I don't believe in abortion. The reply was, it's not a baby yet, just a bunch of cells. But I knew better. They took me in the operating room, and just as they were putting me out, I wanted to scream, no. Next thing I knew, they woke me up, handed me a towel, and told me to clean myself, 
clean myself up and get dressed, and I had blood pouring down my legs. I have prayed and asked for forgiveness, but it still lays heavy on my heart. I pray that every woman who uh, reads your article will realize there is help out there, and I think counseling would be should be mandatory um, before an abortion because it is a baby and you have to live with your actions for the rest of your life. I thank God for his forgiveness and know that one day I will be with that baby again. I think of all the things I missed out on, crawling, walking, smiling, talking, all the baby's firsts. Even though God blessed me with five other girls, you can't replace that one. The Lord took my oldest home 10 years ago. I, I know when I get to heaven, I will have two children there for me. I often think, what will I say to that baby besides, I'm sorry, and I love you. So there there you have it, an uh, expression of, of deep regret and loss in a woman many, many years after an abortion. And uh, <clears throat> as I was... Uh, uh, remembering about this this letter and looking for it in my files, I finally found it so I could read it to you today. Um, I, I remembered another interesting story I'd like to tell you. And uh, this one is is very different kind of story um, for a woman seeing me after an abortion. <clears throat> Women don't commonly come to see me in, in, the, in the days or weeks very soon after an abortion, although occasionally they do if, if the abortionist left tissue in the uterus and the woman comes in cramping and bleeding uh, that happens occasionally, but this is a very different kind of story. A patient came to see me specifically because she was grieving after having had an abortion um, about a week prior. For the sake of thoroughness, I did an ultrasound to see how complete the pr procedure was, uh, just up for thoroughness sake. And guess what? The abortionist had completely missed the baby. She was still pregnant and was carrying the, a, a baby in her womb um, in the first trimester, and she ended up carrying that baby to full term. And at that moment, for her to see that baby on ultrasound when she thought she had aborted, and uh, it just brought a big smile to her face. Um, it was one of the happiest moments I can remember in, in my clinical experience, and I wanted to share that with you as well. Wow, those are some really, really powerful stories, Dr. Prats. Thank you so much. And I think I think they really highlight the importance of, as medical professionals, uh, really caring about the patients that you're serving as people. There's, you know, a lot of factors that go into a woman's decision to have an abortion. And it's important for physicians, I think, to really take into account the fact that they're they're not just performing procedures and things like that. They're really caring about a person holistically. And so I think the stories that you shared really highlight the the, the wholeness of the people that, that you're serving. Um, and in that spirit, I guess, of, of um, helping physicians uh, really truly care about the patients that they're serving, what do you think is important for people to know about their patient's history of having had an abortion? Sure. <clears throat> well, um, one of the biggest risks with surgical abortion is the risk of preterm labor and a subsequent pregnancy. Uh, kind of the popular word out there in the media and, and from, you know, places like Planned Parenthood will just, they'll just say abortion is safe. But actually, we have more than 160 studies um, showing an a, um, association with surgical abortion and a subsequent preterm birth and a, and a later pregnancy. Um, so that's one factor, especially with multiple abortions or second trimester um, surgical abortions. Another factor um, would be effect on a patient's mental health, <clears throat> which you know you can kind of see that in that letter that I that I, I read to you. Um, but particularly for women who already have mental health issues and then have an abortion, or women who have had multiple abortions, can, there can be effects on, on mental health. 
Thank you so much. And that offers another segue for, for me to, to plug our last couple of episodes, the eighth and ninth episodes with Robin Atkins um, on mental health, where she provides a, a more thorough overview. But I definitely want to hear your thoughts too, Dr. Bratz. How do you counsel women who show distress about abortion when it comes up? Uh, thanks. You know, <clears throat> I think it's important to know where to send patients to have expert counseling. It's important to know where to send patients <clears throat> for resources that can really help them. For one who endeavors themselves to counsel a woman with post-abortion um, regret and grief and suffering, I rely heavily on Robin Atkins' advice, of course. Uh, she's one of the most experienced experts uh, I know on this subject. And um, so for those who endeavor to really enter into this um, attempt at, at counseling um, such women, um, she says to stay open-minded, ask open-ended questions like how has the abortion impacted uh, your life physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, financially, educational, or, or with your occupation? Um, start with you know, open-ended questions like that. Other reflections of, you, know, you should offer reflections on what you hear and, and confirm what the patient's saying and try to clarify misunderstandings. Never, never assume anything. Try to mirror the patient's language and yeah, if she doesn't indicate how she feels about the preborn, uh, ask a question like, "What did the ab abortion remove from from you?" So those are those are some things I've learned from Robin that you can use if you're going to endeavor to do this counseling oneself. Yeah, I definitely agree. Robin is a wonderful resource. And yeah, it's, those are some really interesting thoughts there. Uh, thank you so much. And one uh, last question. What resources would you recommend for women who have had an abortion and are seeking maybe further resolution, seeking peace uh, after an abortion? Well, I think our listeners really need to know about um, an organization called Support After Abortion, which you can find at supportafterabortion.com with no spaces between those words, supportafterabortion.com. And you'll see there um, a phone number that can be called and an email address, help at supportionafterabortion.com. <clears throat> this organization was started by Janine uh, Maroney, who um, attended a, a Luncheons for Life event and was moved by the speaker's testimony about the emotional pain of her abortion experience. And she, realizing millions of people were hurting from abortion, she began collaborating with leader, leaders in Southwest Florida to um, formulate a strategic plan to better serve those hurting after abortion. So her organization, once formed, undertook field and consumer research to better understand why nine out of people, women impacted by abortion, uh, don't know where to go for, for healing. So they began to unite hundreds of abortion healing programs and build and strengthen abortion healing really worldwide. Um, Support After Abortion was invited to partner with the movie Unplanned uh, to create um a network of abortion healing providers to support individuals seeking help um, after watching that movie. Now they have over 1,400 abortion healing um, providers in, in the network. So um, supportafterabortion.com is one very important resource. And another one I'd like to mention is Rachel's Vineyard. You can find that at rachelsvineyard.org uh, with no space between the words rachelsvineyard.org. And this is a, a safe place to renew, rebuild, and redeem hearts broken by abortion. Rachel's Vineyard offers weekend retreats um, that offer supportive, confidential, and non-judgmental environment where women and men can express and release, reconcile, 
painful post-abortive emotions to begin the process of restoration, renewal, and, and healing. This grew out of a grassroots effort initiated by Teresa Kaminsky-Burke, a clinical psychologist in the 1980s. And they have a monthly newsletter, and there's a schedule of retreats on the, on the website, rachelsvineyard.org. I understand, I haven't been to one of these retreats, but I understand that um, this would be good for anyone suffering, a man or woman suffering um, with grief after abortion. And um, although, you know, you don't have to be a, a Catholic to, to go to it, it's for anyone, although I understand it is kind of infused with the Catholic ethos and sacramentality, which is good to know. That's all really good to know. Support after abortion and Rachel's Vineyard. I'll have those resources linked in the description of this episode for anybody who wants easier access. Dr. Bratz, thank you so much for being here, offering wonderful insights. My pleasure, Miriam. Have a good day. And a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you have any topic requests, you can direct message us on the social media pages linked in the description of this episode. You can also email us at info at aaplog.org. And if you're a medical professional interested in joining this community as a member, you can do so by going to aaplog.org join. We will see you next week.